Hello, everyone. It's Iman, and I wanted to take this opportunity at the top of the show to say thank you to half man, half amazing, Mr. Air Canada, the man, the myth, the flying legend. I might have made that last nickname up, Vince Carter, who, after 22 years, has decided to hang it up and retire. I, like most Raptor fans, have gone through my ups and downs with Vince. In all honesty, though, I wouldn't be a fan if it weren't for him. And quite frankly, I don't know that the Toronto Raptors exist without him. I recognize that a lot of Raptor fans feel a lot of different ways about Vince Carter. So I thought what better than to ask some of my favorite Raptor fans to record a minute or two on what Vince Carter means to them. So at the start and end of each episode leading up to the season, you will hear from various Raptor fans on Vince Carter. And I'm hoping that'll give us a bigger picture of his legacy. Thank you to Sana, Rita, Jordan, Kate, Lior, Indu, Chris, Kendra, S, Asad, and Jerome. And to everyone else, please enjoy the rest of the show. My name is Chris Walder, the host of the Walder Sportscast, wherever you download your podcasts. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. When it comes to Vince Carter, I choose to remember the good times more so than his exit from Toronto, especially now that his playing career is over. I think if you focus too much on his injuries or him, you know, supposedly mailing it in or the trade to New Jersey, you'll overlook just how significant his tenure was for the Raptors with him being the first true legitimate superstar to bring mass exposure to the franchise. And and that came with him being an incredible dunker, arguably the greatest in-game dunker in the history of the game. But there was so much more to him than that. He he had a swagger to his play and and what his confidence was at its highest, his teammates and, and fans of the team would rally behind him because there was that faith in him to take you further than you had ever gotten up until that point. And and there's always, you know, there's always been this talking point that the Raptors may not even be here in the city right now had it not been for Vince Carter. And that's certainly up for interpretation. But if you look around the association right now and the abundance of Canadian talent with names like Wiggins, Thompson, Olenek, Murray, Gilgis Alexander, just to name a few, and, and of course so many others, and you can't tell me that most, if not all of those players weren't heavily influenced by Carter's run with the Raptors at some point during their upbringing. And that's where his legacy is defined to me, in my opinion. Athletes can only wish to have that level of impact on those coming after them, and Carter, Carter most certainly had that. Okay, it's really hard to put Vince Carter's legacy into just a few words. I mean, my earliest memories include his many talents on the court. I remember the kids I grew up with looking up to Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, but me, when I saw Vince floating toward the net, that was my superhero. He, along with the Raptors, encompassed my entire childhood, and to this day, watching his highlights still gives me chills. Still gives me that same joy and that same excitement I felt when he first put on that retro jersey. I'm grateful for what he's done for the city of Toronto, for the Raptors, and for the NBA. Honestly, to keep it short and simple, Vince changed the entire game of basketball for me. So Vince, if you happen to come across this, Thank you for everything you've done. I love you and happy retirement. Oh, and please, for the love of God, move out of Florida. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dishes and Dimes. 
I'm your host today, Noor, and I'm joined by Katie as well as Iman. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Really good. Are you guys excited for the NBA being back? Yeah. I'm so excited. Feels real. I mean, it felt it felt real like watching the lead up to the games, but like we got to be honest, like it didn't feel I didn't feel like that real excitement until last night. No. I, well, when you get the Lakers, you get that. You always have the Raptors have to go and they have to show mm-hmm. off. But I think even with the scrimmages, it was kind of like they're showing off. Larry's still going in for his charges. Gasol's still playing aggressive. Like they, they've been they've been pretty good. They have been good. Yeah, they have been good. But I think there was just something about like I don't know if you guys felt it, but like it felt like a like it felt like a playoff style game last night. Like it felt very. Like, I'm not even being dramatic. Like it felt. Really, like, there was just, like, a palpable energy, like, everybody, like, maybe it was just, like, nice to be back, like, everybody's live tweeting the game again. I don't know. And then, like, the Mm -hmm. the Raptors, like, showed up. Like, they showed up in such a big, big way. It was amazing. I mean, we were, our podcast being one of the most vocal ones about, hey, NBA, don't come back. Don't do this to the players. And here we are talking the most shit. (laughs) But you know what? We we gave it, we told this to the other people too. We were like, we're talking our crap right now, but once the NBA is back, we're going to be the number one fans. If it's Boston versus Milwaukee, we're still watching. Let's not hope for that. <laughs> How are you doing, Iman? Yeah, Iman, you, you've you been like, you've been suspiciously quiet because I know you've, <laughs> you're you like flying high off last night. I, it, it still, yeah, I have like such a rush. And I, I agree with what you said in that there was a playoff intensity with, that the Raptors brought. I mean, it was very clear that it was like the first game. If you looked at the offense of either team, I mean, the Lakers, and credit to the Raptors defense, the Lakers could not hit a shot. Um, But also credit to the Lakers defense, the Raptors couldn't hit a shot either. Both teams were very rusty on the offensive end, but both teams were like right in line and like right on cue on the defensive end. And just to see that defensive intensity, like, right out of the gate with, like, two of the better defensive teams in the league was, uh, like, a slog fest, and the Raptors offense looked like it was stuck in mud, but it was so much fun to watch. It's, like, it's actually, like, really exciting that the NBA is back. Uh, I found that game to be... And I'm incredibly biased, so it was the most entertaining game for me thus far. <laughs> um, but but just watching what the Raptors can do on the defensive end, I think, is just really, really spectacular. You can never really count this team out. It's gotten me really excited for what they could possibly be in the playoffs. Um, because you look at a team like the Lakers that are you know have these two superstars and the Raptors' ability to take the ball out of their hands and force everyone else to do everything else was uh, a recipe clearly for success. It worked. But more than anything, and I'm Bearing the lead right now, Kyle Lowry over everything. Like, oh my god! Always, always. Yeah, he was like, I liked how he kind of, he kind of eased into it. You know what I mean? Like, he really mm-hmm. took his time. Yeah. Like, he wasn't doing too. I mean, he was doing a lot because he always is, but it didn't look like visu- like visually, it didn't look like he was doing a lot. And then, like, you get into the end of the third and the fourth, and it was just like, oh, here he is. That's Kyle Lowry's quarter. It's, it's always true. the end of the third and the fourth. <laughs> like, if, if you want the, the Raptors to win, just give the ball to Kyle, to Kyle Lowry. I just like how much he was getting under their skin, too, because I think the Lakers came out a little bit cocky, I will say, and I think uh, he, he exposed them a little bit single-handedly. Like, he was frustrating the hell out of everybody most notably like lebron james i think like he kind of shut yeah like we've heard a lot like oh are like are the lakers a deep team like you know they've got this lineup 
there of like figuring out how they're to not. No, Spoiler alert, they're, they're not. not. They're not. And then you watch <laughs> something like that. And like when you see them take, you know, you, you take LeBron a little bit out of contention just because you like, you know, that you're kind of like you have an OG him. and an OB. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no way. Well, OG Adobe or whatever. Like OG that. Adobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like when you take him and AD a little bit like out of contention because you're just sort of like stifling them, then like what, what are they left with? Like a flailing mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma, Dion Waiters, who's just like <laughs> too chill like bless him but like too chill you know and like it's the gummies the, he it's asks the for gummies. the ball a lot yes. <laughs> um, he does <laughs> honestly like looking at the lakers roster is is incredibly disappointing like if i were a lakers fan <laughs> yes having like lebron james and ad is is great but I would be disappointed at the rest of this roster. The Lakers were absolute and utter garbage for, like, six years. And they had high draft pick after high draft pick, starting with Julius Randle moving forward. And that was their time. If they had, like, invested into player development, like, look at the Raptors roster. Look at Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, all of these late first-round draft picks, second-round picks, or undrafted guys. And what the Raptors player development staff has made them into, when you talk about the Raptors as a full team as a deep team in comparison to the Lakers who have two superstars and then Dion Waiters who was waived um J.R. Smith who was out of the league a couple of weeks ago like it's actually embarrassing that the Lakers were had six years of absolute garbage and they weren't able to build role players or solid contributors from the high draft picks that they got because when they got their two superstars, like, they're going to do. They're the Lakers. They're going to get their superstars. They now have no one to surround them with. And I just, it's it's actually, like, really disappointing. If I were a Laker fan right now, I would be upset at management for, like, just ruining six years where they could have actually developed some real talent. They're like a, they're like a flash team, right? Like, they've always got this veneer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's the Lakers, like, the purple and gold, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, <laughs> they've been riding on this wave of, like, since, like, Showtime era, you know, that it's like, well, it's the Lakers. But it's, like, it's all pomp, and it's very interesting to me that it's, like, the thinness of it is showing now. And, I mean, like, we as Raptors, predominantly Raptors fans, like, we know that. Like, we know how deep the Raptors are. We know how good they are at, like, exposing teams. But for it to be, like, main center stage, like, this is their first game back, and, like, they they face the Lakers. We've heard so much about, like, how tough the Raptors' schedule is. And then to see that game happen like it did, it was just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, to me, what my favorite part of it was? Because we're talking about the depth of the Raptors and, like, the, the superstar showiness of the Lakers. But the Lakers bench outscored the Raptors 50-15, which is mm. incredibly troubling. We could talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors won that because of a superstar performance. Like, the Raptors had the superstar of the night, and that was Kyle Lowry, who was just unstoppable. And, you know, AD and LeBron had poor games. Um, like, LeBron put Came up on, numbers. I think it was but- your tweet that you tweeted out something like, um, it was DeRozan holding back Lowry. And you know that that gif of uh, of Iggy, where he's like, yeah, he's like shaking his head, and then he's like thinking about it, and he's like, agreeing to oh, it he's like, like he's trying kid? not to yeah. but like he agrees to it that was me reading it i was like shit you know what 
She's kind of right. I can't like it. I can't retweet it. I can't give it love. I did. I, she's I, made right. some, I made some. I made some Demar Derozan jokes yeah. in the game last night. It's true. I did. I apologize. I was <laughs> no, riding okay. the high. I was in a moment. Uh, so just but, it, but it's a me. really really good point <laughs> because it, because it makes sense. Like if you see Kyle now, you see how like just give give him the ball. Give the ball in his hands when he doesn't have anybody else to to you know to facilitate for and if it's just his game that he needs to get mm-hmm. going look at how well mm-hmm. he does mm-hmm. his all he needs is his confidence and that's it like yeah. i always thought the raptors problem was confidence and i thought that ran deep with most of the players but maybe that was just derosa <laughs> maybe it is too early to say right now too but like with their stamina and everything and how they hold their head up high it, this is going to be a good team, and I plan on watching until very late October. Another guy who loses confidence quite a bit is Norman Powell. Yeah. yeah. And just the bench really did struggle yesterday. So do you guys have any sort of takeaways from from the bench's performance against the Lakers, who, like we said, are not a deep team and don't have a very good bench? I'm not worried about it. Like, they were quiet, but, like, I was thinking about it more, like, oh, yeah, the bench. But then I was like, wait a second. Like, look at the game that we did have. So, like, <laughs> when you see this, when you see this, this just kind of reminded me of, like, where they've been at earlier in the season just with, like, injuries kind of plaguing them. Because, like, yeah. we still haven't actually seen them at full capacity. So imagine what this is going to look like when everybody is actually producing. Like, I think Ibako didn't play that strongly, but we know, like, he's got it in him. Like, as you said, like, Powell was a bit, like, you know, hot and cold. Terrence Davis, I thought, needed to slow down a little bit. Like, he kind of thought he had a really hot hand. He didn't. Um, So I think there's still just, like... But to me, that feels just more like the rhythm isn't there, like the flow for these guys. Like, you know, once they kind of get it and settle into it, they're able to produce. And, like, I feel like that's going to come. Like, I'm not... I don't feel like this is actually a big concern. I was going to say, I think that's out of even OG, Lowry, maybe even Fred a little bit. No one really had the most, like, flashy mm. game. But if we still won against the Lakers, like, that, that's a pretty good... Mm. That's that both's a pretty well future for the Raptors because we know that the bench is capable of having good games. I feel like this was just, like, yes. yeah. a fluke, a resting yeah, thing. Yeah, like a rust issue. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, you know, I think the biggest worry um, heading into these games for the Raptors is what they're going to do in the half court, like how they're going to generate any offense in the half court. Because, you know, for whatever I said about DeMar DeRozan, he was that guy for the team. When things slow down, Mm. if you want to, bucket if you want a basket you can give it to DeMar DeRozan and sometimes basketball is just really just as simple as we need a basket right now (laughs) and there are few guys who are as good at that as DeMar DeRozan Um, and the Raptors don't really have that guy they don't have that wing scorer they don't have that wing creator Um, you know there was talks about it possibly being Norman Powell and he definitely looked like that guy Mm -hmm. um, at, at points during the season and Pascal is is growing, but it doesn't really seem like the Raptors have that person yet. Do you guys think, once again, that the Raptors' sort of inability to score in the half-court against the Lakers has to do with, one, the Lakers being just one of the better half-court defenses in the league, but also just rust as opposed to, like, an issue that we should look at moving forward? I think it's rust. I do think it's rust, but I think, like, to your point, the like, like it still does expose something that like Toronto will need to tighten up on. I mean, like, you know, we've seen Boucher do that, like Matt Thomas, like for all the like 
you know, sometimes it's difficult to separate like the lo- <laughs> the lore of Matt Thomas that we've created <laughs> from like the actual player. Matt Thomas is Matt Thomas. leaving. <laughs> Matt Thomas had this one pull of three in transition, and I was like, Matt Thomas believes in Matt Thomas more he than does. any Raptor fan because <laughs> there was a whole lot of dip on his ship right there. Um, but like he, shoot he, or shoot, I suppose you know. <laughs> but like once those guys, like those guys, can create that momentum. No, we don't. Like there isn't. The the only troubling like thing, and I really still think it's small, is as you said, like DeRozan could turn that on and off like a switch when he needed to and create that momentum. And like between those guys, they kind of need a push. And usually Lowry delivers that to them, or like Fred will sometimes be like that steadying force. But I honestly think just like, you know, the bench always needs somebody to gas them up. So whether that was like Ibaka not really showing up last night for them, like once those guys get moving, yes, they can create it. But yeah, like it would be it would be better if there was someone who was able to just kind of like turn that on and off on a dime. Do you guys trust Siakam to be that person this season? Or do you think that would be a later on thing for him to develop? I want it to be this season, but I feel like it's later. What do you think, Iman? I think it depends on what we're sort of asking of him. Like, can he be the best player, the main scorer on a championship team this year? Probably not. But can he be that? Can he be that to beat the Celtics in the second round? I think so. Jason Tatum didn't show anything <laughs> in his first game to make us believe that Jason Tatum's that guy. Like, I don't I don't see why Jason Tatum is anything worse. But, no, I was going to make a Norm joke. I'm not going to do it. Jason Tatum is a better player than Norm Powell. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, I think it depends on what our expectations are of Pascal Siakam. Because, like, look at last season. Giannis wasn't even that guy for for the the clipper uh, for the clippers for the bucks because he he can't shoot from deep and i think it takes a lot to ask a guy to be the number one scorer on a team it takes a lot to ask a guy to be Kawhi leonard basically yeah um and and the raptors don't have that person so if we get into kind of a slog fest like we saw against the sixers last year i think the raptors are in trouble but also they have quick guards who were able to get to the basket. And I think if you have a a Kyle Lowry who's that spry and it attacks the basket as much as he does and is hitting his shots and you have a Fred Van Vliet who's hitting his catch and and shoot looks and I'm going to completely ignore every single moment Fred Van Vliet was on ball because it gave me... (laughs) um, It it, uh, was was a disaster last last night. But but he hit his his, um, catch and shoot threes and he had some big moves to the basket. Like he got some layups in transition he bodied um Danny Green on this one possession after getting blocked by him a couple of possessions right Mm -hmm. before there um and and really looked like he was the one who was a foot taller than him uh so you know what the Raptors defense is really good and their transition offense still is really good what I look at this game and I say you know what if the Trailblazers make the eight seed with Dame Lillard the Lakers are going to have a bit of a problem not having a guy who can guard any guards on their team. Like, that's going to be an issue um, because they yeah. don't have that person with Avery Bradley out right now. Mm-hmm. And in terms of Siakam, too, I think for our team, for the Raptors, when you have a system that's as cohesive as mm-hmm. the team and how they move together and they understand what they expect of one another and they all know that they have great basketball IQ, maybe you don't need to have that guy. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you can expect your role players, not even your role players, like, your really good contributing players to to come through whenever when you need them to. Like, I feel like, you know, one, then one night, maybe Siakam's not going off. You could probably give the ball to OG. 
the one night, you know, maybe both Siakam and Norm aren't doing well. Kyle Lowry is going to do his best to facilitate the game for anybody else on the court. So I feel like, like when it comes to that, when you have a really good system, kind of anything can happen. Because then you're you're moving as a system. You're not relying on that one person who's supposed to give you everything and beyond. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. last thing I'll say on it is I think like on that like really excellent point, Nor. I think it's like it's trust, right? It's yeah. like mm-hmm. there's like a trust and cohesiveness. And I will say like watching some of the other like uh, like watching Bucks Celtics and like watching some of the other like big big like starting games for these other teams. I was a little bit like, oh, these are sort of boring. But I realized it's boring because there's some kind of cohesiveness. There's almost just like a psychic, there's like a psychic current that like runs through the Raptors. And I know, I know we're biased, obviously, but I really (laughs) don't think it's just that because I think there's something very intrinsic in the way that they all play together. So I think when you've got that trust, like you don't have the franticness, like sometimes I think the Lakers kind of devolved to last night with just like Mm -hmm. screaming at each other, like, you know, how LeBron will kind of direct on the floor, but it's like, he's doing that because he doesn't necessarily like trust that guys will just make the right decision and like intuitively Mm. know. And not to say the Raptors always do, but there is this kind of like grace and like back and forth. And like, there's like always a conversation, you know, like it's, it's definitely more open-ended than I think you see with a lot of other teams. So I don't know, like maybe I'm very naive in that sense, but I do think that's (laughs) something that like can kind of save them in in the tighter moments and we've seen it happen exactly especially with with nick nurse to tell yeah. you know making the plays and everything yeah. i i've learned not to question anything he does <laughs> i think last night he had a lineup of like the smallest lineup i've ever seen against ad <laughs> and lebron on the court and i was like what are you doing but then legit in like two seconds i'm like nope cannot question the genius of nick nurse let him do what he's got to do. He's probably planning for, like, him. the finals. <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I was looking at that, and I was like, what, why are Fred, Norm, Ibaka, and Siakam on the court together, and the ball has not touched Siakam's hand in multiple possessions? So there were times where I was a little bit upset with what the Raptors are doing on the offensive end. But I think to your point, uh, to both of your points, actually, the Raptors are a cohesive unit. And, I, you know, we mentioned that with the de- with the defense, but also on the offensive end, there was a lot of great ball movement. You almost forget that they mm-hmm. haven't been playing with each other for four months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, mm-hmm. it so was impressive to see the ball movement and see the way that the ball whips around the court. And, uh, yeah, so so I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic with this team beating the Lakers, beating them twice, um, I think really bodes well for the Raptors. I would favor the Raptors in a series against the Lakers, and I don't know that I'm saying that as a biased Raptors fan. I just no. look at it and I'm like, who are your guards? Like, This is just your common sense talking. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. We've seen Le- what LeBron James can do in a playoff series. Um, I get that. I'll say that OG is much better than he was in 2018. Um, but I also think that the Raptors are a better team. And and they don't have a lot of weaknesses. There aren't guys who are on the court and you're like, let's go exploit him. Like let's let's like like a DeMar DeRozan or Jonas Valanciunas. Like there's not that guy that you can just go at and attack. The Raptors do not have that. Kyle Kuzma tried to post up Fred Van Vliet and it ended up in a turnover. And we saw what <laughs> Kyle Lowry did. <laughs> and we saw what <laughs> Kyle Lowry did to Kyle Kuzma. We saw, you know, uh, Mark Jones had this moment where he was like, well, Anthony Davis can guard guards. He's one of the, the few bigs in the league. Oh my God. And then right at that moment, Kyle Lowry blows right just by him. him for a layup and Doris Burke is like not him (laughs) not that time and it's like the Lakers really I don't know if they have the personnel to um I don't think that they're a good matchup for the Raptors like I think the Raptors are are a great matchup for them because 
they're, uh, the Lakers struggle to, to really hurt the Raptors in, in a lot of places because Pascal Siakam and did a fine job on Anthony Davis and the Raptors help defense was absolutely beautiful like to think that this is the first game back and the way that they were swarming AD to get the ball out of his hands after having this massive performance against the Clippers was just so great to watch and you know OG Ananobi's job on on LeBron James, of course, with help there as well, which is fantastic. The Raptors are such a great team. I'm so glad they're back. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> game was so much fun. I could like watch it five more times. That was so exciting. So we're very happy to see you guys though. We're very, very happy. <laughs> Minus the Fred on ball moments. There were some times at the bench where I was like, I can't do this with this team. Can't believe I'm yelling about the same things, but <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the bench struggling on the court, um, but the bench is kind of also struggling off the court, yeah. which leads us into our weekly dish. Welcome back to the weekly dishes and dimes dish, ladies and gentlemen, um, where we talk about what's happened in the NBA, something that's um, the rumors that are going around, something that should be that could be a little bit consequential. Um, and as far as the Raptors are concerned, there is a picture that is circulating of Terrence Davis. Actually, it's he literally was photographed um, wearing a mask that, um, at the bubble, but that had a hole in it. And he's also in the past posted a couple stories on Instagram um, with uh, with anti-vaccination accounts um, talking about how we don't need to worry about social distancing. We should be we should be more focused on um, vitamin D and boosting our immune system and stuff like that, which is like, yeah, you're allowed to have your personal opinions. But when you have a following like you do, um, then you have to represent yourself a little bit better as well as the organization that you work for. Um, how do you, what do you guys think is going to happen? Do you guys think the Raptors should sit down and talk to him? Or do you think this is something that like he should probably just realize after, especially after the NBA released that um, memo that the, the organizations should sit down today and speak to their players about the importance of wearing masks and the importance of being safe through all this. How do you guys think this would vote for Terrence Davis in the future? I think they probably have sat down with him already. I don't know if you guys saw, um, but today, like, uh, Fred Van Vliet, it's a picture of, like, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal. I think it must have been them, like, either today, like, going to practice or getting off a bus, but they've got, it's, like, them at a distance, but close enough, like, they both have masks on. They're, like, distanced, and then they both shared it, and I was a little bit like, huh. You know, and it came after the memo. It came at, like, the timing of it, it, it just felt, like, too pointed, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, I'm surprised, honestly. I was surprised, and I'm a bit, like, I feel let down <laughs> that it was Terrence Davis um, because you've just, like, we've seen him be very smart, like, very compassionate, just very, like, grounded type player. And I don't just mean player, like, off-court as well. Like, just when you chat with him, when he talks to media, like, in interviews, everything like that. And then the Raptors organization, I feel like they really have been handling everything throughout the pandemic very well. Um, and I think are very aware of, like, the optics. And I also think there is something to be said of, like, being in a diff- being the lone team that's in a different country where you've got, like, the management of the pandemic here versus in the States, like they've done a really good job of it. And this, so this just kind of felt like a, a, to me, like a little bit of an anomaly. Like I was really not expecting it. How about you, Yvonne? Yeah, I would say like, 
I think the Raptors PR team uh, not being in the bubble has really kind of hurt. We see like <laughs> the importance of having a PR team. This is yeah. the first time that we've kind of been talking about Terrence Davis. And obviously the, the other one wasn't, wasn't as serious. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but wearing a mask or not wearing a mask isn't a matter of opinion. Like, I, I think yeah. we have to stop talking, like, and not us here, but, like, just the general public needs to stop acting like this is a matter of opinion here, whether you wear a mask or not wear a mask. Um, and, yes, Terrence Davis is right. We should be talking about boosting your immune, immune system. You should be taking vitamin C and doing all sorts of things to better yourself, eat healthy, um, you know, exercise, do all sorts of things to better yourself. But that's also not a cure against a virus that is killing people and has killed people who are, like, we're talking about the NBA. These guys, these are hundreds of people. There are family members that we know that have passed away due to COVID. I feel like it's yeah. disrespectful to the memories and, and to the families that are grieving right now to act as if this is some sort of conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. People are dying. What, like, why does the NBA care if you wear a mask? Like, what, what is the conspiracy in getting Terrence Davis to put a mask on his face? What is, like, I don't understand the logic behind all of it. The Raptors are, I think, the only team in the league that has sent two management um, members to the bubble, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, the, the two highest level guys in the organization. Um, and so I definitely think that they're, like, I'm not worried about how the Raptors are going to respond to this because I think that they, there's this culture that exists with Toronto that I think will sort of educate Terrence Davis on what he's saying because yeah. what he's saying is, is quite frankly, just ignorant. And, and I don't think he means it with malintent. Like, I don't think he's trying to be malicious with anything. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's just ignorant in the sense that it, it's a lack of knowledge because I, I feel like people get offended by the word ignorant. So I just want to, <laughs> I want to give you guys a definition of what I'm trying to say. So yeah, so I, I like I'm not too worried about the entire thing because I, I think that the Raptors are are going to keep it under wraps and the NBA. I think you know will enforce punishment on Terrence Davis if this is something that continues because there is a rule: you have to wear a mask in the bubble if you are outside of your room. That is just NBA rules right now and. Dwight Howard got called got called out on not wearing a mask, and he doesn't even remember when he did it. Someone called the hotline. Might have been a fake tip. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he got called out on it. And we have photos of Terrence Davis not wearing a mask properly because he cut a hole in it. So if it's something that persists, he will be in trouble for it. Um, but I also trust the Raptors' culture and the organization to really sort of keep that in check. I want to get, like, your guys' opinion, because I know we've been talking about this a little bit as a group, like, as things develop, but what I thought of today, just, like, as cases continue to increase, like, all over the U.S., especially in Florida, but now just, like, honestly rampant everywhere, and as more and more of these guys are going to be affected by COVID, either through their, like, close family uh, mm -hmm. or friends, just, like, it's kind of a numbers game at this point, right? Like, at some point, mm -hmm. all of those players are going to know somebody who either, like, you know, gets gets sick or, like, God forbid, like, gets really sick or something worse happens, you know? Like, mm -hmm. and I wonder if, if this kind of thing, like, continues with, like, players kind of picking up, whether it's because, like, 
yeah, they're just like bored on Instagram and they're sharing stuff without thinking about it. Or like, that's like what I wonder sometimes if this is like in the case of just like the true definition of ignorance, as you said, Iman, just like you just share it. You don't think about it. If it's that or if it's something more pointed, like what we saw, like with Michael Porter Jr. saying like COVID's being used to control the masses, like a true conspiracy theorist, like theory, like emerging in the bubble. But like if this is the kind of thing that, that's going to cause more rifts, especially considering like these guys are all stuck together, like nobody's leaving, uh, like they see each other all the time, like mm-hmm. like not that tempers are flaring, but when you're in just such a regimented system, like there's going to be fatigue, there's going to be kind of like wearing down of just like, you know, your mental health, really, mm-hmm. if this kind of thing is going to cause, like if you think it's going to cause like almost like further rifts, like not just between teammates, but just through like players in general. Yeah, that's the first thing I think of. Mm-hmm. I thought of what I thought when I heard about Michael Porter Jr. as well as Terrence Davis because um, my initial reaction was I wonder how how what their teammates think about this like how they would react to knowing that well my my teammate thinks that this is a hoax or this shouldn't be taken as seriously um, while jeopardizing their safety and their health and their coach's health and their staff's health and everything else because um, it's it's kind of a, just a selfish mood right this in this pandemic, you're just, you're supposed to be selfless. This is the time to think about other people, not just yourself. If you think you will be fine, the person next to you might not be fine. And that's kind of the trust factor that you build as teammates that, you know, you will be there on the court and you will be there off the court. Like you're not going to put someone in harm's way, but this kind of, this kind of behavior, especially in Florida, where, like you said, cases are running rampant and they keep getting higher like, my first reaction was, I wonder what Serge thinks about this. Mm-hmm. Like, has Serge talked to Terrence? Has anybody, like, seen this story that Terrence posted? Or has was anyone walking beside Terrence while he was he, while he had his hole in his mask? Like, how, did, how does the team react mm-hmm. to it type of thing, you know? Because, yeah, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. I, you know what? I think putting a butt, like, we think of teammates as friends and we like this idea of a team as like a family and like 15 guys that get along because we see them play on the court but these are just 15 coworkers. if you mm-hmm. think about it that's all they are yeah. um and imagine being locked in with your co-worker day in and day out i think all of us would go a little bit crazy especially because we don't have our homes we don't have our families we don't have our friends and we're being forced into these spaces with these people that we might be acquaintances with we might be friendly with but we don't necessarily get along with them all um you know Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan best friends they didn't talk for their first year here right like these are things that I don't think we actually take into consideration so I think under normal circumstances uh tensions would flare up because you're throwing a bunch of people into the same living quarters with each other and taking them away from their families as an avid watcher of Big Brother I know this is a thing that happens (laughs) um but but beyond that, you're adding what Katie said. You're adding this additional thing of, uh, of you know, conspiracy theorists here, where other people are actually grieving the loss of family members, and I think that that would just heighten tensions. And we're at such a there's everything that's happening, not just um, not just COVID, but um, whether it's players choosing to stand or talking about kneeling as a form of dis, you know, all of this. 
everything that's going on right now, it's such a sort of divisive time and tensions are flying high around the world. So to imagine putting a bunch of men into close quarters with each other and not letting them see their friends and family, I can't imagine um, how some people are feeling right now. I'm sure people are annoyed already. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know the NBA is like set up these like information sessions and that's great, but like, <laughs> like it's only as good as people actually like in the bubble are utilizing those. And then like, you can go to it. And it's like when you get rep, it's like you said, like you get reprimanded at work at your place of work, you go through some kind of like sensitivity training, but like, what do you take actually take away from that? You know what I mean? Like into your own practices. It's things like this where I'm like, are we going to make it to the end of the season? Are we going to have a finals? Like we just had the first game and I'm off the moon. I did not realize how much of my happiness depended on basketball. <laughs> but, I mean, these guys are ruining it, not just for themselves, but for their teammates, for everybody else. Um, and I don't know. Like, it hasn't even... It's just been a one one week. I think uh, a silver lining is that it's so few guys. Yeah, it's, that's true. It's not, it's not a large percentage. It's very, very tiny. Um, and it's easy to sort of drown those guys out, right? When when the overwhelming majority of people are following the rules and um, recognize the threat that is COVID, especially because the vast majority of them are African-American men. And if you look at the rates that this disease is targeting and killing and hurting Black people in America, they, it, like it's almost a guarantee that they're going to know someone or know someone who knows someone that has been affected from COVID. Um, so yeah, this is just, it's a, it's unfortunate times right now, but um, I think I, I trust the NBA more than I trust some of these other leagues. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. That was heavy. That yeah, was such it, a heavy, it was heavy. session. It, it's all right. We're back to dishing. We're dishing heavy. <laughs> dishing heavy. I guess um, we're not done dishing about some serious stuff. You guys, the NBA has returned, and as is customary in North American sports leagues for no apparent reason, the national anthem gets played before games. And we all knew it was coming, and players were, you know, the, the league states that players must stand for a national anthem, but we knew that the players were going to protest, and they did, with a few exceptions. Myers Leonard and, and Jonathan Isaac being the two exceptions so far that have chosen to stand. Do you guys have any dishy takes on on um, kneeling for the national anthem or standing or what the NBA is doing right now? I think Myers Leonard's excuse was that he has a military family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, he said his brother's in the like military, he, I think. That's what he said. I just don't see how kneeling for the anthem disrespects the military. Mm-hmm. I don't see the correlation. And I mean, if you want to get spicier, if you really want to talk about how they've saved America, the people, like the military has saved America and stuff. Do you know what they've done to the people of the country they've invaded? Yeah, I, I like. I don't understand the centrist take of like police bad, no. military good. Like what? <laughs> it's like the most transparent take I've ever seen. It makes like no when you sense. look at the tanks that like the police come out with, and like these like military grade weapons. Everyone's like they're using it against American people. It's like oh, so it was fun when they were using it against the Iraqis. <laughs> like what are we saying here? But yeah, I, I don't understand the correlation either. And my my entire thing, um, besides. Myers Leonard's entire centrist take is if you're standing out of respect, does that mean other players are kneeling is disrespectful? Like, is that's the implication that I get. If you tell me that you're standing out of respect, then the people who aren't standing are not respecting the flag and the anthem, and they're disrespecting the military. 
But then at the same time, he's trying to say, well, what they're doing is not disrespectful. And I don't know that you can have it both ways. It's got to be one or the other. Um, so that was my issue with what Myers Leonard said. He still decided to wear the Black Lives Matter shirt, and he's talked at length about Black Lives Matter um, and white privilege, and he has said a lot of things. He's, um, I think, that the face of NBA centrism. If, if Gordon Hayward is the face of NBA MAGA, then, <laughs> then Myers Leonard is the face of the NBA center. Um but yeah, I guess that's my take on the entire thing. I mean, for him and for Jonathan Isaac, whose like take was more like he's like I'm like religious, but I didn't I like I heard the whole thing and I didn't really even make sense that like I couldn't <laughs> there was no correlation for me between those two things, yeah. but I think in general both of them like regardless of your reason, like to me it's like you can't just once like be show in like complete solidarity with your teammates who you know are going to do this and just like just take a knee. Like, you know, that was this moment, even, even if you're like critical of the moment, cause like a part of me is also like, did they just play the anthem so the players could kneel, which like, you know, that's good. And it's also, you need to unpack just like the showiness of that as well. But I think like, if you knew it was going to happen, because they obviously all talked about it as soon as the first team did it, they were all going to do it. Like, I just feel like you just got to put your own reasoning aside and just like be there for your teammates at that point. I agree. Taylor Rooks um, had a good follow-up question there where she asked what the correlation was between his faith and and kneeling. And Mm -hmm. I honestly don't think Jonathan Isaac was prepared for that question. I don't know that he had an answer. Listening to it just sounded like a lot of words. Yes, There wasn't a coherent thought in, in any of it. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> so so just to give everyone sort of a backstory on Jonathan Isaac, he is a, a forward for the um, Orlando Magic, and we saw him last year in the playoffs, and he did a fantastic job against um, Pascal Siakam in the regular season. Not so much in the playoffs, but I think that's more to Pascal's brilliance than anything else. But Jonathan Isaac is incredibly religious and did a sermon um, and invited his entire team, his entire team, to come watch him perform. But present, but I, I, I very much apologize. I don't know the correct terminology here, and I don't want to offend anybody. But he he was conducting a sermon, and he invited the entire team to come watch and support him. And not a single player on the Orlando Magic showed up for him. Wait, when was Are that? Are you guys aware of that story? And do you guys think that this has anything to do with this? This is a few years ago. Oh, uh, a no. few years ago, he um he was he was conducting a sermon, invited the entire team. And not a single person. I remember, yeah. I actually felt, I felt so, so bad, bad for him. For him I was so sad. Time. Wow. I didn't know that. And yeah, so that sad. makes me incredibly depressed. I like Jonathan Isaac, but like I was actually <laughs> kind of surprised because like I also think like I'm not religious, but I also feel like, you know, a tenant of like Christianity is like I don't know, love your neighbor, like support your mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And like it's not it's like it's not so centered on you. And I think like he Oh, 100%. In centering yeah. it again like just on himself in that moment, like there isn't his I didn't like his answer either but it definitely didn't line up to like I don't know like the this like ethical answer he was trying to like put forward I don't but I don't know if he did it as like revenge I don't think so. I don't, I don't, know. Think, I don't so. think he did it as revenge I was gonna say so so, so certain <laughs> people have said you know do you oh. think that he was like I'm not kneeling in solidarity with y'all because no. you guys didn't come because I and I'm gonna tell you what I think about this and this is complete speculation we're just dishing here I don't know anything about anything but I, I do believe, and we've seen this from tweets that he's liked and, and things that he's said in the past, that he does lean right. And when I say lean right, I mean he's like fully uh, on the right there. Um, and and I think that 
probably part of his politics kind of played into what the rest of his teammates did. I just kind of wanted to bring that up. I just wanted to talk a little bit about it because it was an interesting Jonathan Isaac story. Uh, I don't know that there's any correlation between what happened here, but I wasn't surprised that Jonathan Isaac was the person who chose to stand. And also, more importantly, chose not to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, because he was the first one to, to not kneel, right? I honestly mm-hmm. wonder if he had kneeled, would Myers Leonard have also not? You know what I mean? I just have this sense that, like, he wouldn't have been the first one to not do it. Yeah, exactly. I think I he would have. It's yes. the optics of it, too, right? I think he would have. I think he was kind of gearing himself up for it. In the things that he's that he said, um, he's talked a lot about, you know, everything Myers Leonard does is, is just in camo. Uh, so we know the way that he feels about, <laughs> we know the way that he feels about the U.S. military. And I think he's, like, couched enough of his statements to be like, I support this movement, I support my teammates, but I do not want to kneel. I respect their decision to kneel, but I don't want to. And I think he's, like, couched enough statements. Um, and really, like I said, play the middle. He is the face of the NBA center. Um, and it's funny because he is a center. Uh, so <laughs> it's like a double entendre. <laughs> it looks like he's cool with his team, too, because while he was standing and yeah. they were all kneeling, I don't know if you guys noticed, but they all had the two of them on the side of him. They had their arms wrapped yeah, around yeah. his legs. So I guess to show solidarity with his stance, but, like, we don't know what his stance is, so we get to have our yeah. own opinions. Yes, we do. I will say it did look like it did look like the the Miami Heat supported Myers Leonard's decision because they did, like you said, had their arms wrapped around his legs there as he was standing. Whereas if you look at the photo of Jonathan Isaac, you can kind of see Terrence Ross like smirking. Yeah. You're like, get a load of this dude. Like that's what Terrence Ross's face looked like in that moment. So it does look like it's a little bit different. I'm just saying it, it seems like one guy has the support of his teammates, whereas the other guy, yeah, maybe not so much. I don't. Oh, no, this is all speculation, guys. We're not bringing you news. We're just dishing. We're dishing. <laughs> We're dishing. Speaking of the national anthem, did you guys see LeBron yes. singing ours? <laughs> I don't like what that. that. I don't like that at all. What was that? Because that's just like a reminder of how many times he's played in Toronto, which is a reminder of how <laughs> yeah. many times he's beaten the Toronto Raptors. So I don't like it in that one bit. Was he trying to like show his LeBronto status or is he trying to make a statement of like, screw America, I love Canada? I was like, I don't know, LeBron. I don't know if I Are can trust sure you. Are we sure he was singing and not cool. just like mouthing? Because at first I was like, what's he saying? Get ready to get beaten. Yeah, he's just like saying <laughs> yeah. something to himself. It's a catchy song. You know? Can I, I'm going <laughs> to let you guys in on a little secret. So I was over at my sister's and she wanted her one-year-old to, to fall asleep. And then she was just like singing lullabies and all of a sudden started singing Yo Canada. And I'm like, <laughs> what a weird patriotic thing to do. And she's like, I don't know any other lullabies. I'm all out. And I'm like, it's not a lullaby, but I guess it's a catchy song. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a good song. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like, she was like, I need her to sleep. I just, I lost lullabies. I was like, saying twinkle, twinkle, little Honestly, star again. I don't if know you're in a you're different doing. country and you're traveling and you hear the Canadian national anthem, it, it, it can bring tears to your eyes. I don't know if that was just on my period, but I have cried to the Canadian national anthem in a different country. There we go. <laughs> so I get it, LeBron. It's okay. <laughs> So our next segment is called The Weekly Dime. Um, I had to remind myself what it was because it's been so long since we've done all this. Um, but The Weekly Dime consists of who we think, literally, who was the perfect 10 for us this week, whether that be on the Raptors or if the Raptors aren't playing somebody else or whoever's uh, a part of our podcast is on if they don't, if they have a certain favorite player, they can pick that person. But um, 
But yeah, who did you guys, I mean, I don't really think I have to ask you, Iman, but who was your perfect <laughs> 10 out of 10 dime of the week? Uh, well, his name <laughs> is Kyle Lowry. And he was absolutely phenomenal. I mentioned it earlier. He was a superstar in a game of superstars. Lakers are built on being a superstar team. And Kyle Lowry was the best player on the floor for the re-season opener, for the seeding opener for the Toronto Raptors. Absolutely phenomenal. 13 points, career-high 14 rebounds. He was just, he was doing everything. He was out-hustling everybody. That's kind of part of it. It's that 14 rebounds. He was out there out-hustling. He was playing like a big man despite being the littlest guy on the court and doing absolutely everything for the Toronto Raptors. Anytime he sat, they bled a lead, and then he would come back in. Usually around the same time LeBron James came back in because <laughs> not the bench anymore. And, and still the team went on a run, and... They closed it out in that fourth quarter because of Kyle Lowry and his brilliance. He is such a special player, and I'm so glad he's back, and I'm so glad the Toronto Raptors are back, and we're two-peating, all because of game one. Yeah, it's Lowry. Like, it's gotta be. <laughs> I don't know. Like, he, there's no one There's no one else who, if we're just talking, like, in terms of standout performance, yeah, there's nobody else that, like, turned it on like that this week. But, I mean... TJ Warren had a great game, if we're not talking Raptors. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think for me, though, it's, like, what struck me was how like the continuity like watching him you're like he it doesn't look like he stopped playing for months you know what I mean like yeah it didn't mm-hmm. look like there was like any like lurch he didn't have to like get his feet under him and just like more like a part of that for me is just like how he stepped into this leadership role like I think we we touched on it like when we were recapping the game but just like he he is so seamlessly that guy now, like after kind of like being, having that sort of like uh, split with first like DeMar DeRozan and then like last year kind of handing that over, I think to Kawhi, like letting Kawhi be like, whether or not Kawhi was actually the leader on the floor or just kind of like the figurehead of the team. But like now Lowry's just like fully stepped into that leadership role and he's so comfortable there and just like everything he does just kind of cements that for me. So I think seeing it last night, I just like, I felt like just relief wash over me and like relief and pride and just like, like every kind of good feeling. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? Like to me, the NBA is back because like Kyle Lowry is here and he gets to do, yeah. And he gets to do what he's so good at and we get to watch him. I mean, for me, it's also my favorite point guard, (laughs) Kyle Lowry. I think for him, like, if I was a rookie, if I'm just getting my foot in, in the NBA and learning how to be a PG, learning how to really affect the game from both ends, I would watch Kyle Lowry, like, his tapes all the time. Like, I feel like every time he has the ball in his hands, it's a learning experience for somebody else. <laughs> you can really understand how his IQ, like, it's, you know that he's always thinking something. When he has the ball, he's always coming up with some kind of mastermind plan and it always works out. It always goes through. And he has this confidence that I don't, I don't think I've seen before. Like it's, 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 maybe it's a championship confidence, wherever, (laughs) whatever it is, but he has a history of going off against big teams. He always does it, especially the Lakers. He always goes off against the Lakers, but especially last night being the game that it is having the, being the first game back, having the rust, you know, not playing for four months, he was phenomenal. Yeah. He was, like you said, he was the best player on the court, and LeBron James was on the same court as him. Henny Lee Davis, I, here's the thing. I've been going off about this since uh, listening to a Zach Lowe podcast where he didn't put the Raptors on his all-NBA team, and I was really surprised by it. And I, I'm still, like, 
it is not just Zach Lowe. It seems to be every single All-NBA list has Chris Paul as a lock. As a lock. Which, like, Chris Paul has been phenomenal this year. And the Oklahoma City Thunder have been so fun. And they've surprised every team um, this year. They surprised everybody this year. But you know who else you could say that about? Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. And not just this year, but last year. Well, not last year. But the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. Like, the Raptors have been great because Kyle Lowry has been great year in and year out. And it's really disappointing that year in and year out, he does not get the credit. Whether that's gone to DeMar DeRozan or right now, apparently nobody. Like, it seems like every list does not have a Raptor anywhere. When Kyle Lowry has been the most impactful and the most important player for this team all year, averaging your 28 and 5, and he's and a great defender. It's not like he's like bleeding you out on the other end. He's doing absolutely everything for this team, despite them having a million different injuries. And they're the third best team in the league. Second best defense in the league. Kyle Lowry's been keeping them afloat. If he had done that on any other team, he would be a right away lock-in for um, all NBA second or third team, but he can't make anyone's list right now. It's actually, just, it makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't understand the logic behind it. Um, but I've been railing for uh, Kyle Lowry to make an All NBA team for years because it seemed to always go to Demar Derozan, which also didn't make sense. But that's a conversation for another day. I think for this year, it it makes no sense to me that the Raptors can be the third best team in the league, and. Kyle Lowry, their most important and impactful player, is not on anyone's All-NBA team. That's just ludicrous. Don't forget, after losing Kawhi Leonard. After losing Kawhi Leonard, like, people were really assuming this team would be, like, 45 wins at highest. Like, that was their peak. And they were on pace to win 60. People really thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. And, like, there's a lot of talk of, like, oh, well, we thought Masai Ujiri was going to blow it up. Masai Ujiri didn't blow up this team because they were too good to to, to blow up. And they were too good because Kyle Lowry is a freaking superstar. Like, all of this is intertwined. I don't understand the disrespect that Kyle Lowry continues to get. I'm going to continue to champion him. It's all I'm going to talk about for the rest of the games. It's going to be how special Kyle Lowry is um, because he deserves more respect. He really, really does. That's why I got so cagey last night. Like, just... I don't know. I just felt like I was seeing it. People were being like, oh, yeah, Kyle Lowry. I always, like, not, oh, I mean, like, American yeah. American yeah. media, they're just like, yeah, we always knew this. It's like, what? Oh, it's <laughs> like, that championship swagger. Um, yeah. it's, like, it's like, Kyle Lowry has been doing, like, what like, are you talking get, about? Get like, why have the Raptors been a top four seed for the last however many years? It's because Kyle Lowry does this. Yes. This is what he does. Like, I want that recognition for him, but then I get so mad when it comes like that, like, so oh. flippantly, because it's just like, where were you? Like, how dare yeah, like, you? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. you guys haven't been doing your job. You're openly admitting to not doing your yes. job and knowing how good he is. <laughs> exactly. And, like, don't give Lowry any praise if you're not going to update your all-NBA list. There we Get go. Update, update your all-NBA list, everyone, because this is absolutely ludicrous. And, like, all this talk of, like, well, you know, he didn't do this last year. Here's another thing about Kyle Lowry that I've been talking about. He's one of the most malleable stars in the league. You can do absolutely anything with him. The Raptors needed to give DeMar DeRozan the ball because he couldn't shoot worth a damn. And what did Kyle Lowry do? He played off-ball, and he played amazingly. He was a great catch-and-shoot guy. He did absolutely everything the team needed him to do. You have Kawhi Leonard in now, and so you're like, Kyle Lowry, take a lesser role. You don't need to be a, a 
huge part of this team's offense. He takes a backseat, does absolutely everything else. The team wins a championship. Every single game that Kawhi Leonard sat, and I'm sorry I'm talking really quick. I'm just realizing we're going long right now. <laughs> uh, but every every uh, time that Kyle Lowry sat, or sorry, every time that Kawhi Leonard sat, Kyle Lowry had his biggest performance because he could still do it. He was taking a backseat because he was prioritizing winning over getting his gaudy numbers. And then this year, when the Raptors need Kyle Lowry to step up, he's averaging near 28 and 5. He's doing everything you ask him to do. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on everyone's All-NBA team. It's absolutely ludicrous. Kyle Lowry over everyone and everything and all the damn <laughs> stuff. That's my, that's my mini rant there. Preach. <laughs> I'm so upset. I don't know why I'm so upset, but I am. It was upsetting. It's upsetting. This is this is the real, the true fandom of Raptors. We win and we're still so pissed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Don't congratulate us. Like, don't do that. <laughs> You should have known you were this good. Where were you congratulating us back on December 13th, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Where was your praise then? (laughs) And the worst part is they're just going to forget about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I love. It's like they really can't because it's like everyone's watching everything. So it's like you are going to watch Jason Tatum go two for 18. You are going (laughs) to see that. I need you to watch that. I need you to take that in. You are going to watch Chris Middleton go six for 50 or whatever the hell he did. You were going to watch that and you're going to take that in and you're going to watch Kyle Lowry do 33, 14, and 6 in a win against the Lakers and you're going to celebrate him. Oh, yeah. For now and forever. <laughs> um, we're, we've gone on pretty long, guys. We do have a couple of questions. We asked our Patreon. So uh, I'm going to combine two questions here. We've got one from Jacqueline and one from Xerxes. Uh, about the Miami Heat. <laughs> I've upset a lot of Miami Heat fans. Maybe I'll stay quiet on this one. I don't know, guys. Um, I don't think you but... will, but that's like, that's just me. <laughs> it's a lot of talk about, are the Miami Heat real, um, was Xerxes' question. And, and Jacqueline wanted to know who you'd rather face or who would be a tougher out, uh, the Miami Heat or the Boston Celtics. So what say you guys? I mean, I might be the lone... I don't know. I'm going to go against you here, Mom. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I don't – I think they're re- they are real in a sense that they've got something going on, like something is happening with them. They kind of remind me – definitely not, like, at all, like, in the same – on the same echelon, but they remind me a little bit of, like, a scrappier Raptors team, like, you know, maybe Raptors, like, three years ago or something when they were just, like, making it work with what they had mm-hmm. um, and, like, figuring out – like some, you know, pretty quick chemistry. Uh, they've got a lot of young players who are pretty hungry. They have obviously have Jimmy Butler, who's like finally found a team of like freaks who want to work as hard as him, you know, and are very happy to do that. I really love like Bam Adebayo. Like I wish he wasn't on the heat, you know, like but <laughs> he's just like a standout style player to me. Uh, and I think like for me, this is like more of like one of those invisible things that I think gets a little bit discounted, but they look like they have a lot of fun when they're doing this. Like there's like a certain level of like effortlessness. And I do think that goes a long way. I think it's going to go even longer, like in a season like this, where we've talked about just like the mental fatigue and like the draining sort of like environment of the bubble and like all those repetitions, like the heat system is like built in repetition. It's just built in like monotony and like perfection and like they are kind of used to that so I mean I wouldn't say that they're for real that I'm like oh they're gonna like go very far I think the Raptors could definitely match up with them and like coming out of the east for sure Uh, and that is a matchup that 
you know, it worries me a little bit more than some other teams. Like it, it does worry me maybe a little bit more than the Celtics who I'm just like never worried about. <laughs> but I think just cause they have that kind of like fresh energy and the Celtics are kind of like, they don't really have that. Like they can, no. yeah, they get like, they can kind of frustrate themselves, but the heat, they are a little bit wily. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we should like be too worried, but I, I don't mind the heat. I'm sorry, Iman. <laughs> no worries, no worries, Nora. What about you? I don't know. I don't think I'm really that worried about either. It's probably going to come <laughs> I love and it. bite me in the ass, to be honest. But I, I just feel like with Celtics, I feel like Siakam's going to cook them. Mm-hmm. He's going to be spicy since spin cycling everywhere. Um, and the only person that I feel like could be a game changer for Celtics is if Marcus Smart has his game going. Especially against us, I feel like once he always has a hot hand against us. And he's kind of like, I wouldn't say a Walmart Kyle Lowry, but he, he's like a lesser <laughs> Kyle Lowry, right? Like he, he makes those extra plays and he's, he's always hustling. He's, he's making sure that he's partaking in both ends of the court. So I think when someone is that locked into the court, that's someone you have to be kind of, you have to kind of watch out for. And as far as Miami's concerned, I mean, Butler, Butler, he's shown us what he can do last year. Um, Now he has his own team. He has his own guys that are locked in the same way that he is, which is the only problem he's really had in his history with other teams. Um, So it could be a factor, but I'm probably going to regret saying this, but I feel like we could take both in six. I'd be more worried about Philly being healthy a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think it's not that I don't think that the Miami Heat are real. Um, I think there are more question marks with the Miami Heat than there are with the Boston Celtics, but that could mean that, like, the Miami Heat upset the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, that would be surprising, but I also would be like, oh, okay, that's, like, insane. They had just an insane shooting stretch because their shooters can get incredibly hot, um... Uh, the reason that I think, I still think that the Celtics are a better team. So my whole thing is Miami Heat were on pace to win like 52 games. They won eight of those games in overtime. They were eight of nine in overtime. Eight in, of nine in overtime. Can you imagine how many toss-up games that is? That seems like luck at some point. I, I just don't think that they're as good as the Boston Celtics. I think the Boston Celtics have more proven guys. We've seen what they can do in the playoffs. Whereas the Miami Heat are going to rely on a lot of guys who we just haven't seen get there yet. We haven't seen what they can do with a playoff settings. It'll be their first time because some of them are rookies. Um, and you you kind of look, and a lot has been said about the the makeup of the Miami Heat and how they have great defenders who can't shoot worth a damn, and then they have great shooters who can't defend worth a damn. And I just think that in a playoff series, you can scheme against a team like Miami because their limitations are so large and in your face that doesn't mean they can't get hot for a series and shoot the lights out um I just think that they're a worse team because they're less proven and they have a lot more question marks than a team like the Boston Celtics who's just been flat out better um than them this season I feel like we're aligned then like the question mark (laughs) thing is is to me that's what's like intriguing about the heat but I wouldn't deny that like yeah like that's they have question marks they have questions. Like, the, the Boston Celtics are just, they're a better defensive team um, than the Heat. The Heat have good defenders, but they're great, but they're, like, they're 
Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler who can't shoot. Um, and then they've got great shooters, but, like, what? Like you're just going to completely attack. They have so many guys that you can attack. That's the thing on the defensive end. They have so many guys that you can attack. So many of their key contributors are rookies who've never done this before. I just don't know that I buy the Miami Heat. Besides the fact that, like, yeah, they were on pace to win 52 games, but eight out of nine of those came out in overtime and were complete toss-ups. Like, it just feels like there's a lot of noise in the Miami Heat success, whereas the Boston Celtics success kind of feels like it makes sense to the makeup of their team, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like a monotonous, joyless success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure the Miami Heat were having tons of fun because they were winning a bunch of coin toss games. They were like, hey, we won another one of these overtime games. How much fun is that? Um, but the Celtics were actually winning. But that's also why Jimmy Butler scares me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's so clutch in the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Butler, yeah, I think that's, like, the one kind of fear that I have. And also, Ben Adebayo, who's done just a phenomenal yeah, yeah. job against Pascal Siakam. You kind of look at that Celtics roster, and you're like, they have nobody who can guard Pascal Siakam. But also, the Raptors, we talked about what they can do sort of in a half-court offensive system in that struggle. And the, the Boston Celtics are a much better defensive team um, than the Miami Heat. And it's like... The Boston Celtics also have a lot of wing creators. Mm -hmm. They have guys who can go off. And it, it just feels like the Boston Celtics are a better team. But the Miami Heat are such a question mark that they can do absolutely anything in the playoffs. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Makes sense. That yeah. happened. Yeah. You know? Um, and then just a quick last question. I feel like we're all going to agree on this one. <laughs> who would you rather see the Raptors play in the finals? The Lakers or the Clippers? And this is by Dinesh. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions, you guys. Uh, we really appreciate all of our Patreons. I don't think we've said that as much like in this podcast as we you know, probably should have uh, end and start with this. But thank you so much to everyone, just in case. Uh, we really, really, really do appreciate it. And we have some like exciting things that we want to do with everyone there. So thanks. And also, Dinesh asks, Lakers are clear. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, based on that game, I'll take Lakers. But I'm also not that freaked out about the Clippers. I'm not. Ooh, that's a spicy take, I think. <laughs> it is, it is. I guess I'm like, I'm not, I mean, Kawhi is his own, like, X factor at all times. Yeah. But, like, they also have some shit to figure out. Like, they've, they're they not, mm -hmm. like, their depth can be questionable depending on who's there and who's hot and, like, what, what, what it's looking like. Um, and, like, you saw, like, the other night, like, against the Lakers, who the Raptors dismantled so handily, like, mm -hmm. they got really frustrated. So I think, like, both of those teams to, like, what, how much they've been touted, I don't, which is, I think, just because of, like, being, like, the star factor, right, of, like, L.A., mm -hmm. uh, both of those teams don't really worry me that much. But based, again, on last night, the Lakers. Yeah, um... For sure, when it comes to beating, I think we can beat the Lakers pretty easily. When it comes um, to beating. <laughs> <laughs> um, personally, very, very personally, I think I would be most okay if it was the Clippers because if we lose and Kawhi wins. Um, but I, I also think that the thing with the Clippers is they they don't they haven't really played that much together. Like even in their regular season, I think they had something like twenty two different starting lineups. Um, I, I forget how much it was, but it was quite a lot, and it was a lot of different um, tactics that Doc Rivers had to plug in and plug out. So I feel like when you give Kawhi a little bit of edge, like because even last year when he was with us, he was load managing all the time, so he barely he didn't play that much. He played like half the games that were on, but he was still his playoff 
best player in the world self in the playoffs. So I feel like as long as you have Kawhi, like I know with LeBron too, I understand that, but <laughs> we legit just had Kawhi. I can't count out what he did for us. And especially, like, I know they don't have the most amazing supporting cast the way they did with the Raptors, but he still has some help, especially with PG. PG hasn't been that bad. He hasn't. PG did really well yeah, against the Lakers. Yeah, but the games don't matter right now. So, yeah, that, you know, let's yeah, just exactly. wait. Let's wait a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's He's true. in perfect regular season <laughs> We'll get form. our playoff P. Um, yeah, I don't want to lose to Paul George or Patrick Patterson in the playoffs. Um, but, but honestly, <laughs> like, I think for me personally, losing to the Clippers would hurt more than losing to the Lakers. Um, yes. Yeah. Kawhi winning another ring and I love Kawhi and I want nothing but success for him but I don't want to see Lawrence Frank or whatever that Microsoft dude's name is who's escaping me right now who looks like their mascot um (laughs) I don't want to lose to them so my whole thing is I want this to fail you'd rather LeBronto I I would I would rather LeBronto I want the Clippers experiment to fail (laughs) I want Kawhi to like I want like next season to also not work out and then they're like left with two guys who are free agents and then Kawhi leaves somewhere else and then wins a championship (laughs) with that team just not with the Clippers um and I want them to be like oh no Alexander is the greatest player in basketball what did we do I want absolute misery for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, and then for the Lakers, yes, to get sentimental. Like, I, here's the thing. LeBron James is the greatest player of my lifetime. Um, that's a lie because I guess technically I was born when Michael Jordan was playing, but, like, I was, like, a baby, so, like, that doesn't count. Um, and also, LeBron James is the greatest of all time. Never mind. I take that all back. LeBron James is the greatest player of my lifetime. I don't care about anything else that happened when I was a baby. Um, and so I, I do kind of want to see his legacy cemented with him winning more rings, especially at this stage in his career. He is in his, like, mid-30s. Um, he's only getting older from here. These are years that he needs to sort of win. So I wouldn't be mad seeing LeBron James win another one. And also, also, as someone who's not a Laker fan, this year for them, for that entire organization, has been absolute hell, losing, of course, Kobe Bryant. And I, I like, obviously winning a championship does not compare, and I'm sure they would tra- trade all of it just to have Kobe back alive again. But just seeing kind of a bright spot for them in this hellish year um, that has been just racked with so many terrible things for not for for like all of us really but like for that entire organization would kind of like bring me a little bit of joy in a way that would be nice in this hellish year of of nba life and life in general that was so nice iman i'm over here like well if i'm being selfish and like, <laughs> yeah i was like pathetically actually i was like do you know but do you know what else would be nice but no i won't like that that's like it's a good point iman <laughs> i won't be selfish thank you <laughs> but like also, I want to see the Raptors yes. beat the Lakers yes. in the finals. I'm not yes. going to say that. I'm not going to be like, Root against the Raptors. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Raptors number one fans rooting against the Raptors. Oh, that would never happen. Like, I, you know, love and want all things great for, for you know, LeBron and the Lakers and everything. And I, you know, would love for this year to end in a bow for them. But I'm a Raptors fan and would love nothing more than for the Raptors to make Orlando their home. Like, what is the opposite of LeBronto? How does Toronto own LeBron? Like, what could we name it? Los Angeles. Lowry Angeles or California? California or California. California, California. yeah. <laughs> yeah there we go we we want a california regardless of who makes it um out of the west i guess we'll get a california i mean they're gonna make it they at that point they would have got the the award for western conference finals which is good enough 
Yeah, it's, just good, it go it's good enough. Just take that. <laughs> Stop asking for more. This is a fun podcast. <laughs> this is a good time. Rappers are back, baby. <laughs> back. Please We're stay back. safe, everybody. We're going to be doing a prayer circle after this. Yes, everyone, please stay safe. Also, um, you know, take a knee during the national anthem. Switch legs if you're old like Marcus Ole, and, you know, your knees cannot take you kneeling for uh, two songs and you have to switch in the middle. I thought it was really funny that he said that. I guess the last thing that we can say, can we just say NBA Dime of the Week, Marcus Ole, looking great out there? Ooh, yeah, I just, looking wonderful. Little Spanish <laughs> soccer player. Oof, so tan. So I don't good. even mind his like PK. Yeah, I don't mind it either. <laughs> Whatever he's so doing good. with his hair, I'm a fan. Just keep doing you, Mark. When he turns around and he walks like towards the bench, he looks like Hercules. Like he's got that big shoulder and then he's got that full head of hair (laughs) and the perfect tan to go with it. I'm like, okay, Papa Mark. There we go. Papa Mark. Papa Mark looked good in the Lakers game. Nothing went down for him, but just to see him attack. Like he had a mismatch in the post a couple of times and he like tried to take advantage of it, which is something we had not seen in the past before. (laughs) So like we're back. Raptors basketball is back and Marcus looks better than ever. When he jumps, my heart still stops. I'm like, I'm not used (laughs) to this. I'm not used to his feet taking off the ground. (laughs) Is he used to gravity? No, that's why he's so, yeah, he's, he, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. I was <laughs> mesmerized by Mark. Well, clearly we're super happy the Raptors are back. We're hoping that you guys enjoy this pod and you guys are staying safe and sound and watching the Raptors from home. Um, and just like that, we also hope that everything going on in Florida, they keep that as safe as possible. Um, even though we are, we kind of trust Adam Silver right now. Doing well, guy. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye, everyone. Hey, what's up? This is Jordan Hales, also known as Mr. Sticks. You already know what it is. When it comes to the legacy of Vincent Lamar Carter, he wasn't my favorite player. But at the same time, I had full appreciation of him because if not for him, I wouldn't have seen Toronto Raptors jerseys plastered all over BET for a particular period of time in the 2000s especially a um, music video with uh, Memphis Bleak and Beanie Siegel called Do My. Uh, Jay-Z's in it as well. And I just see purple Toronto Raptors jerseys, you know what I'm saying? Like after the dunk off, like the iconic year 2000 dunk off, like that's that's really where Toronto was truly put on the map. And I'll always be appreciative of that just because from a cultural aspect, he changed the game for basketball in Toronto and Canada as a whole. The first memories I have of professional basketball are of Vince Carter. The first game my parents took me to, I was four years old and I fell asleep at halftime. I don't remember much of it, but I do remember the spectacle of a man who looked like he could fly. I didn't know who he was at the time because I was so young, but Vince Carter gave me my first glimpse into how special sports can be. My dad was always a big Vince Carter fan, even after his departure from Toronto. To me, Vince is much more than a basketball player. He represents a way for me to connect better with my family. He reminds me of the feeling of belonging that comes with a common passion. And his retirement brought back the feeling of a young girl witnessing the joy of the game for the first time, helping me remember how our sports heroes can make us feel like we too can fly. For me growing up and learning the game of basketball, I was taught to boo Vince Carter rather than cheer him on. I grew up hating Vince, but I know, I know, I realize how dumb I was then, pretty much with the rest of Toronto. He was the pioneer. Before Vince, people laughed at the idea of even playing basketball in Toronto. 
Back then, all across my street, there were hockey nets in the driveways. Vince is the reason they all changed into basketball nets. And those same nets are the ones that inspired Andrew Wiggins, RJ Barrett, Jamal Murray, and pretty much every other Canadian basketball player we know right now. I think it was important for us as a city to root against Vince, though. It gave us a reason to look forward to basketball. Even when we were bad, we had a game in the calendar to look forward to, a rival. I loved to hate Vince. And in some ways, it fueled my passion to watch and play basketball as a kid. And I think through my hate for him, I actually fell in love with the game. 